Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 70 of the Peristyle Podcast. If you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about USC athletics, focusing, of course, on football. Today, for episode 70, it is Tuesday, June 16th, 2009. We normally do the show on a Wednesday. We're doing it one day early this week because... I will be traveling. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. We've got a really cool show for you this week. We're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. We've got a bunch more of your USC football questions. And we're going to have one of our uh, roundtables in the second segment talking all about USC recruiting. A couple of big camps this weekend at USC, the skills camp and the lineman camp. And it's all a prelude to the big USC Rising Stars camp coming up. But we'll talk to Gerard Martinez and have a a roundtable discussion of what was going on at all those camps. But, of course, we have to talk with Coach Hyde in the first segment, always sharing his insights on what's going on. How are you doing today, Coach? I am doing absolutely fabulous. I'll tell you what a beautiful day it is. I'm on the island of Catalina. Lucky guy, lucky guy. It is. It's a beautiful place over here. Uh, Don't get over here as much as I want to, let's put it that way. And uh, just uh, awesome, and I want to thank you very much for calling us uh, or checking in with me. And uh, I'm never on vacation when it comes to uscfootball.com. How's that? <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad we could catch up with you on Catalina, Coach. And uh, before we get into that, I just wanted to thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets. sctickets.com is the website, 1-800-888-7287. Give them a call. Ask for Curtis. Tell them you heard about us on the Peristyle Podcast. They'll hook you up. Uh, I'm going this weekend. Or this week, I'm flying to Boston tomorrow, go and see the family, and I will be going to the the uh, Red Sox game because of tickets from SC Tickets. So they hooked me up, Coach, and I'm sure they've hooked you up plenty of times. They hooked me up a lot. I, I love getting tickets. I got tickets for Elton John, Cher, a lot of uh, concerts and things like that from them. So they're not just sporting events. You can go to you can get tickets from Southern California Ticket Service for any event, and for everyone. Um, you, I thought we'd throw off the show by doing it on Tuesday. My dog, you haven't heard my dog, Cece, for the last couple of weeks. But I wanted to know when I snuck upstairs here to do the show, who came up the stairs with me? Cece. So if you hear the little barking in the background, it's her saying hello to all your friendly dog friends out there, her friends. And she's been off the air lately, and she's really upset about it. Yeah, she knew. Uh, she knew. She somehow knew okay. we were doing the podcast today. So she yeah, she did. Day. So she's here. So be ready for her. Excellent. All right. So. Coaches on Catalina, I'm kind of happy right now. I actually was spent the weekend in Vegas and then uh, had a doctor's appointment yesterday. I got my cast off finally, so my ankle's still, it's a little bit of pain, but it's feeling better. Hopefully in a week or so I'll be able to put some more weight on it, but that's kind of nice. But I, traveling around, Coach, and uh, walking around is kind of a pain on crutches. I've never had to do it before, but now I'll look at all those athletes every time they hurt their ankle or knee or something with a little bit, di- little, little bit differently, knowing how much of a pain it is to get around on crutches. You're exactly right. I'll tell you, unless you've had your knee blown out or something, you really don't understand it. But, Ryan, I expect you to be ready by the season, okay? I'm ready, yeah. I'm going to be rehabbing hard. Just an ankle. Rehabbing hard. Just an ankle. (laughs) Not your heart, okay? Right, sure. 
So you can get a new ankle. So let's get ready to play, okay? We're, I'm going to rub some dirt on it. We're getting out there. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, we got a lot of questions to get to, Coach. So I wanted to kind of do that. Uh, the first one is kind of personal. It's from Patrick in Chicago. And um, he had a question for each of us. Uh, one, I guess I'll start with me first. How and why did you choose USC to attend college? And uh, like I said, I'm going to Boston this weekend. That's where I went to high school. I, I lived in Pittsburgh when I was a little kid coach and then moved to Massachusetts. But I, I was in Pittsburgh for the uh, 70s where the Steelers were dominating uh, the NFL. So I'm a diehard Steeler fan. It's because that was ingrained in my head coach. I had no choice. Um, even though I moved to New England, I didn't really become a Patriots fan. But I just, you know, I, and anyway, so from New England, I... I going to school for electrical engineering and I could have went to a lot of places in New England or even back to Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon and uh, I don't know it just seemed like something I'd never had traveled to California before and my father worked at Continental Airlines so I could actually fly for free when I was a dependent of his and uh, I decided you know I'm going to try to go out west USC wrote me a really nice letter and I got a partial engineering scholarship and I moved out to USC and I think my freshman year in the dorms I never shut my window and uh I was sold at that point. I was never going to leave LA unless I had to, because I, I don't like the cold weather and I loved it in LA. So that's, uh, it brought me out here. I stayed and got my master's at USC. And of course I'm doing uscfootball.com now, but that's my kind of story coach. Well, I tell you what, it's, it is great out here. I was born in Pasadena, so I don't have any problem. I've always loved the West. <laughs> and, uh, I haven't had to put up with some of that other weather, but you know, you learn to adapt, you know, you play in cold weather places when you're coaching and so on and hot weather places. And, you got to adapt to those things, and um, people adapt to them. Somewhere in the world, it's always colder, and somewhere in the world, it's always hotter. So you just uh, take advantage of your climate if you're from the east, and when you get a West Coast team to come out there, you tell them, you know, we're going to come out in shimble shirts. We're not going to wear gloves. We're not going to do anything. They're going to look at us, and they're gonna, we beat them already because they're freezing in their mittens and their <laughs> overcoats and everything. And uh, same thing with Vegas. Uh, when we used to play in the heat over there, People come out with all kinds of, uh, you know, water and equipments and fans and all of these type of things, and we just come out and play football. I say we got to use the weather for an advantage, and I and I think that's what you do. You use your environment and your field conditions and so on for an advantage, and you try to you do that. You can't change where you are, so you just utilize that and and make that an advantage, and you get your team to believe in that, and uh, that's what uh, people do. Cool. All right, coach. Well, uh, I agree with you there, and. That's kind of my story with USC, but Patrick also wanted to know for you, uh, how did you choose USC? I mean, you became a, you know, an expert on USC on the radio and stuff. Uh, did you? When did you first become a fan, or when did you first choose to start talking about USC football? Well, you know, I've always been a fan of USC football because they've been good. I've always admired people who achieve their goals and play at the highest level. And when I was uh, Growing up, and also when I first started coaching, John McKay was at USC. And, uh, of course, uh, he was my idol. I mean, I'd go over there and watch him coach and watch the teams play and and uh, go to his clinics and listen to him speak. And Bear Bryant was one of his best friends, so I used to idolize Alabama at the same time. And and at one time, I almost got on the staff and coached at USC when I was coaching at Pasadena City College. But that didn't happen. And so I've always been a part of the program because I've always appreciated the excellence that's been there and, 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 and the style of ball that they play. And I love the coaching staff that played there. I got very close to Craig Ferdig and Marv and all the coaches that have coached there. So uh, I did not go to USC. 
I don't want people to think I went to USC. I'm a stepchild. I'm being adopted by USC. What I mean, or maybe I've adopted them, whatever you want to say. <laughs> uh, when I started doing radio and television, I did a show called, I still do, called USC Trojan Talk on another network in another city. Because Mike Garrett felt there's a lot of Trojans in different areas that want to find out about USC, and they don't have the local newspapers, or they don't have the local radio that talks about USC. So once a week, I do an hour show on uh, AM 1400, not during the summer months. It starts uh, August 13th again with Mike Garrett as our guest. You can always get that at kshp.com, hit programming, and then hit listen, and you can hear that show. In fact, you you have that show, don't you, on your website yeah, that people co- can listen to? Yeah, Coach. If you go to peristylepodcast.com, that's where our kind of our main launching page for the Peristyle Podcast, and we put a link to your latest show, uh, your Trojan Talk show, the one in Las Vegas. We put a link up there. And right now it's the link to the, the last episode because you're not doing new ones for the summer. But we do have, we do have links up there. We, we had updated every week when you guys would upload a new show. Right, and our last show was with Mike Garrett. He does the first show of the year and the last show of the year. We sort of start off the year and then end the year with him. And uh, so I started broadcasting, and then all of a sudden uh, I was asked by ESPN to do a portion of the pregame show. So I started with the pregame show, two and a half hours before kickoff. I've enjoyed doing that, and I guess it was two years ago or three years ago they started uh, a Sunday brunch called uh, Trojan Brunch Show where we recap for two hours every Sunday morning. In the past, it's been from 8 to 10 a.m. on ESPN Radio in L.A., 710. Uh, the, the game, the game of, of Saturday's game, and we recap that and take calls and so on. So uh, I've been involved in that now for five or six years. I really enjoy doing that, and I enjoy doing this with you. And that's how really I became associated as far as a part of the Trojan Broadcast team. I uh, did not play at SC, did not go to USC, but I've always admired USC for the excellence they have academically and athletically. All right. Well, Patrick, thanks for that question, and thanks for your insight, Coach. That's that's a little of our USC backgrounds, at least. Um, we have a religious question next, Coach. I know people want to avoid that subject sometimes, but it's kind of interesting. It revolves rec- involves recruiting. Uh, this is from Mike. He's a VA Trojan 94 on uscfootball.com. Um, how does how does religion come into play with the recruits and families when the, the when the recruits and their families are very religious and Pete Carroll being kind of a new age coach? Do you think do you think that hurts or help his recruiting? And then having follow up with that, a guy like Rocky Seto on the staff who's very religious himself, does that help out with the whole recruiting process? Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you pick a school uh, for religious purposes. Maybe you do. Maybe you do, and if you do, uh, you have your reasons to do that, and, and that's what you should do. Uh, like some people love to go to Notre Dame or BYU or whatever because of their religious uh, background and belief. Well, that's fine. I think it's good. Uh, but I think that you can also adapt to other universities, and, and such as USC, because that opportunity is still there for you. Uh, USC is not trying to change you on your religious beliefs. They are giving you an opportunity to play an athletic event and also get an academic uh, degree. And uh, what your beliefs are and what you grow up with uh, is something you have. And uh, there are churches, there are uh, people on campus that uh, that you can meet with and, and continue with your beliefs and so on. And as you mentioned, Coach Rocky, 
uh, Seto is, is, is a tremendous young man, the defensive coordinator, who is very, very much a Christian. And uh, he is there, too. So, you know, it, you have to have on a staff today uh, a mixture of everything so that you fulfill the needs of young student-athletes. I always felt that it was important that I was going to, if I ever got back in coaching, I was going to have a, a woman on my staff. I really was. Uh, someone who could relate to kids who are homesick or have girlfriends or can counsel them and put, put her in a position where they can come in and talk with her about problems regarding girlfriends or parents or whatever. But uh, I never got back into coaching to utilize that. And then I'm just throwing that out. I think you have to have a little bit of everything. You have to have discipline. You have to be hard, but yet you have to be kind. And yet you can't let players or people mistake you for kindness for weakness. But, uh, but I really believe that uh, USC uh, is a school that uh, has the, the Christian faith. And for all faiths, as every school can. It's what you believe in and how you adapt to it and what you want to do with it. As a football coach, uh, we used to pray before a game, and we prayed after a game. We prayed for strength as far as helping us achieve our goal, asked for his assistance, and after the game, whether we were successful or not, we always would pray again uh, following the game. And, and I would always do that. I asked the media to stay out of the locker room when we first went into the locker room following a game where we could do that among ourselves. We would get on one knee and hold hands and do that. After that, we would open up the locker room. I just asked for that much respect as far as towards the team. So I think you have to have a mixture, and you have to be able to, to be the type of person, too, that, uh, that believes in your faith, and people should not in any way try to change you because that's what you grow up with, and that's what you believe in, that you really respect you for who you are. Hey, Coach, now, what, what interesting thing about this, and I think one of the, it comes up quite a bit um, with, there's a lot of Polynesian players on USC, and I don't know if that helps or not. Maybe you can share your opinion on this, but uh, a lot of guys that maybe are recruited from Utah, like a Stanley Havili, or, or, I mean, guys from the island and stuff that we did, you know, Tongans and, um, Samoans and stuff. A lot of those players are um, LDS or Latter Day Saints, Mormons, and right. you know, having maybe there's no one on the staff that's Mormon, but you have a lot of members of the team already. I guess that maybe that helps with incoming players knowing that they have some of their teammates that are the same religion, and that kind of helps as well, even if it's not someone on the staff specifically. No, and 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 really, there are a lot of family members here uh, in Long Beach and Carson and. A lot of uh, Samoan families and population here in Southern California where people can go and uh, visit their faith. And uh, you can't have, <laughs> I said a moment ago to try to have something for everyone on your staff. You try to, uh, but you also can assist people find help. And, and players know how to find help, and family members know to have how, to, how to find help uh, or places where they can go for religious purposes and so on. So it's something that you deal with and you, uh, and you assist with, and uh, you try to help kids in every way. All right, Coach Cool. Thanks for that, and thank you, Mike, for that question. Um, here's a couple questions. My dog's from... going crazy. Yeah, baby. Cece's really enjoying uh, the religious conversation. Well, she she is. She wants, <laughs> she, she's so jealous. That I get this time with you. 
I, you know, we only get to talk once a week, Coach. So I don't know. I, I don't want her to be jealous, but I guess uh, she wants to monopolize your time. That's okay. No, she you're, wants to be on the show. You're, <laughs> she's on the show all the time. Yeah, she's on the show. All right. I apologize to all of our listeners. No, that's all right. All right. So uh, from Martin, this was specifically about Taylor Mays playing um, both strong and free safety spots this season. Where do you think would make him the most dangerous weapon on the USC defense? Well, I want to see him. I really want to see him play strong safety. I really do for his professional career and for him. And in the in the in the spring, I I saw him become more physical than I've ever seen him before. And on most of the preseason publications, you see him as a first-team All-American as a free safety. A lot of people really haven't yet uh, believed or or see uh, or, or that you know him as a strong safety. But I believe that's why he returned back to USC to improve those skills like to see him in a blitzing position. I'd like to see him play up in the line of scrimmage more. You know, with Josh Pinkert and some of these other players that can play strong free safety too, you can almost have a free and a strong at the same time by just completely just inverting your safeties. One becomes strong one play, one becomes free the next player. You flip them inside or out, or you play one to the wide side, one to the short side. You could do something like that. Now, I'm not suggesting USC is going to do that. But I, I really think that he got physical and be, and really tried to block people down rather than tackle people down. I mean, go through people and wrap your arms. And I think that's something he has to work on. As a free safety, a lot of the NFL people feel, at least I feel, that he's a little bit too big and tall for that position. And he's more physical, physically uh, a strong safety. And uh, I think that you're going to see him up closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, play like a Troy Palomala, uh, just be a great player. And, and I think that uh, if he has the type of year I anticipate him having, and that means be physical, cover, wrap your arms, blitz, do everything well like Troy does, uh, you're going to be uh, a first-team All-American whether you're uh, you know, free safety or strong safety, and you're going to be one of the top picks in the NFL draft. So I'm real happy he came back to USC. Uh, I was more surprised that he came back than Sanchez went out. I really am. And uh, congratulations to Mark. I'll tell you, it looks as though he made the correct decision, as far as financially anyway. Sure. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I want to wish him the best. And I, with Taylor Mays, I think the question comes from, like, Kevin Ellison last year had a really good time up near the line of scrimmage, and then Will Harris kind of filling in for him when, when Kevin got hurt. And apparently Kevin's doing a really nice job down in San Diego with the Chargers and stuff as well. But, you know, the thing was on Taylor Mays, you know, he's this great player, but he wasn't making the same kind of plays. And I, I think this might change a little bit, Coach. Maybe you'll disagree with me. But if Taylor Mays does get to play a little bit more near the line of scrimmage, and isn't just playing that center field position and stopping all the deep balls from going on. He gets to wrap up ball carriers and make plays and blitz a little, like you said. Then I think maybe his when it when he does have to make a play at free safety, he's not going to try to make the you know one in a million extreme blow up make Sports Center kind of play. He'll just make the the sound solid play because he's getting a chance to do that more near the line of scrimmage if he gets to play a little bit of both. But I think he didn't get to make that many plays at free safety, so when he got one, he wanted to try to make the most of it. I agree with you on that. I really do. He tried to blow somebody out. You're, you're exactly right. Sports, sports center play. 
And a lot of times he missed, and a lot of times he didn't bring the ball carrier down. And uh, and that's all timing. He's He's got a big frame. He's got a high momentum. Remember, he's not built short to the ground, so he's got he's got to learn how to control his speed with his body. And that's something that's not easy to do, and, and, and he's got to learn how to do that through tackling and tackling drills and so on. I'll tell you, Ellison, they, they got a steal down at San Diego. they got a steal. Oh, yeah. What round did he go in, the fourth round or something like that? I think it was fourth or fifth, yeah. He, um, what a steal. Yeah. He's, he's a great player. I can see him playing now. They, they that was a steal when they got Ellison. He's going to make that team for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Martin, for that one. He actually had one more question, Coach. This is on the other side of the ball with the receivers. Uh, I think, you know, Damian Williams, Ronald Johnson, top two on the depth chart. I don't think there's much question about that. Uh, what about some of the other guys fighting to get in? You know, they'll, they'll use three receivers sometimes. Sometimes they'll use four. Of course, they could put, you know, a guy like McKnight or – uh, Curtis McNeil out there in the slot or something. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's not as many spots and there's a lot of people that are fighting for those spots. Who do you think are some of the, you know, up and coming receivers uh, on this team that have a chance to make an impact after Damian Williams and Ronald Johnson? Well, you know, they do have a lot of receivers. Uh, they, I, I, they really got a lot of great depth of receiving too. Uh, when you talk about putting Curtis McNeil or Joe McKnight out there, uh, then I would, you know, I, then then you, I would think that you're in a two-back set, where you put one of those guys out there. And, and but I'd like to have a taller guy in the slot. I've always felt a taller guy in the slot. You could have a quick receiver out there. Now, don't get me wrong, like Patterson or somebody like that. But when he catches the ball, man, he's gone. He caught a couple in the spring game, man. He just turned up and went. And and I think Patterson's a speed guy, you know, and. And some of these guys we can throw short, shorter passes to, or, but you, or even you know, you rather have long, like, would huh? you, you rather have like an Osbury playing out there. An Osbury's a bigger guy, a bigger guy. Now he didn't have the speed Patterson has, but he's a bigger target. As a defensive back, it's tough to cover him. It's really tough to cover him. He's so physical. He looks like a tight end or an H back. I mean, he he has all the ability to be a great player. He just has the ability to be a great player. Uh, not that McNeil or McKnight can't do it, but I think your slot player should be a true receiver slot type of player where, you know, you can do a lot of crossing routes and corner routes, and drag routes from the slot, you know, not just drag your tight end, but drag your slot across and, 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 and so on. And, you know, in some situations, I really even like flexing the tight end out about five yards and mismatching that too, where linebackers can't cover him and, and you have Big McCoy out there or somebody uh, where, where you have the mismatch, a 6'5 guy on a DB, and then you have a slot the other way too. And now you cut down on your running game blocking, but it certainly does uh, force a lot of pressure on the, on the linebackers in secondary, especially with a guy like Aaron Corp who can run. And uh, uh, so I'm not sure what will be the slot situation. They've got a lot of players to pick from, but I hope they go. And I, I hate to say this and, and say that, you know, some players shouldn't play, but I'd like to see them go with a combination that's there on every down, not passing downs, running downs, passing downs, the whole thing, and sort of slow down on the, on the rotation of players, both in the backfield and the receivers, and get a continuity of where, 
the, there's a flow and a rhythm, and the players get used to seeing each other out there and, and, and running routes and knowing how to correct their patterns because they made a mistake on a pattern before. Or they were in the game and they saw how the defensive back covered him on a certain deal, and they know next time when they run a route exactly how to attack it or what to do. I'm very interested to see this next year, the pattern and consistency and the play calling that Jeremy, Jeremy Bates is going to do. I'm really looking forward to seeing just what the play calling method is going to be. Is it going to be run and pass evenly or with the emphasis on the run or the emphasis on the pass? What is it going to be? And, and I can't wait for that San Jose State game to just see well, how it goes. I mean, you know, in the past I could say the first play on offense is going to be a bootleg. I could say that. Uh, or something similar to that and when uh, Steve Sarkeesian was calling the plays uh, to slow down the pursuit or run a bootleg of some type or, or so on, back across the slot across the uh, formation into the flat and dragged by the tight end or, or whatever. Uh, that was almost the first play of the game. And in fact, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't those know were, if you remember that. Those were really common. He loved doing the bootleg stuff. It was boot, yeah. like all the time there was bootlegs. A lot of bootleg, and, and there wasn't really a running game off of it yet. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to seeing all of that because I truly believe this. I saw the first publication that I read pretty thoroughly, Phil Steele's publication, and he has the Trojans ranked third in the country. He has uh, Florida 1, Texas 2, USC 3, and Oklahoma 4. And uh, I agree with that. I really agree the Trojans have the potential – to be that good a football team. Can they get in that second position? I think they can, but they're going to have to go undefeated, and you're going to have to see Oklahoma beat Texas or Texas Tech beat Oklahoma and then something like that. One of those two teams are going to have to lose. But I really feel that SC can be in that championship game in the Rose Bowl this year on January 7th. I think they have an excellent shot, Coach, and it's going to be fun to watch. Um, we're almost out of time, but we have one last question from Justin. He said he's a huge fan of the podcast. Thank you very much for that, Justin. He wanted to know what incoming freshmen do you think will have the biggest impact on the season and why? And do you think Jarvis Jones will be playing a lot this year? And uh, maybe, Coach, if you can go, th- I got the list here in front of me of guys coming in. We can just do a quick sentence or two on each dude. You're going to have to help me on this now because I'm, I'm, remember, You're in I'm Catalina, on vacation. Yeah. I don't have my material in front of You're me. You're on a jet ski somewhere, you know, uh, yeah, having a Mai Tai. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll try to do this quick because we don't have a ton of time. But like a Matt Barkley, pretty obvious. He's, you know, he, he could have won the starting you know, quarterback job uh, after, you know, a guy like Mark Sanchez who went number five in the draft. Potential. You can't count him. The potential for impact. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of potential there. He could still win the spot. We just put a story up yeah. on uscfootball.com yeah. today. Um, James Boyd, uh, you know, do you think he's got a shot at defensive end? I think he does, but he's a year away. I think he's got to learn college football and learn a position. Great athlete. Uh, I'd like to see him redshirt him and bring him along as where, wherever they decide to play him. Hebron Fangupo, JC guy. I mean, I love. I mean, he's huge and he's got great feet. He's got a shot to play in the middle of the defensive line. I think, Coach. What do you think? Uh, yeah, he's going to be a defensive tackle. You know, and I really believe they think he should start and come in and play. Now, I watched him play last year against passing the City College, and that was early in the year. It was the first game of the year, so you know, uh, I didn't know if he was playing at the same tempo that you need to play Division One college football every play. Didn't have spring practice with USC, but he certainly is the type of player 
that has the ability to play. And you normally don't bring a junior college player in after he's played two years and redshirt him. You, norm, you normally don't do that. So they, they're looking for him to be a rotating starter or a starter. Now, whose position? I don't know. But I like to watch. I'll watch him more in the fall, and I'll be able to tell you more about him. All right, Devon Flournoy, wide receiver. I, I like this kid. Great, heady kid. I, I mean, there's a lot of receivers, though. I don't know about how much impact he's going to make. He's going to have to really be impressive in fall camp to do that. Or even a guy like Kevin Graff on the offensive line. They're not super deep on red the shirts, line. Both of them. Yeah. Red shirt, both of them. I do that. Then they become great players. Yeah. Kevin Green on the defensive at, at defensive end. You think he should redshirt as well? Redshirt him. Kind of like Boyd. Um, now, now, let me let me tell you one thing now. Say so, so before you when you hear me say redshirt him. See, as the program continues to grow, and the experienced players are there at SC, it is harder and harder and harder for a young freshman kid to come in and contribute that much because there's so much talent right now that it's hard for one to come in and break through. It's not like there's the weakness in any one position. But if you go ahead and redshirt someone, then you're, then you're guaranteeing yourself another year of great football because they've had great recruiting classes. But you don't really know what's going to happen in the future as far as you know, recruiting and, and, and commitments, verbal commitments, and if kids keep those. So you got to always secure and keep the bank full. It's like a money reserve plan. You know what All I mean? Right. Yes. And, and so if you can explain to a kid, you get an extra year of education, you're going to graduate from USC, you're going to learn our system, why waste a year on one or two plays? I think it's great to do that. All right. How about a guy like Patrick Hall, five-star athlete? Who knows where he I mean, a lot of skill – Excuse me, a lot of skill there. You think he'll find the field somewhere? Which kid is that? Patrick Hall. Yeah, well, he is a great player. But, see, and great players want to play. Great players want to play. So you got to give him that opportunity. But where? Tell me where he's going to come in and play right now. Yeah. You've, yeah. Got, you've got probably the best defensive secondary in the country. You've got a great group of receivers returning. So Ton where of running does he backs. play right yeah, I mean, now? Yeah. It's going to be, you know, but he's a special kid. We'll have to see kind of what happens with that. Um, right. J- and I'm, I, you heard I didn't say red shirt. No. I mean, okay. if they can find okay. a spot for him, returning kicks, whatever. Um, yep, that's what I said. You didn't hear me say red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jake Harfman, I think for sure he's going to make an impact. I mean, he'll most likely be the punter, the kickoff guy, and could even be the kicker as well. But he's he'll be competing on three different levels, so I would think. Certainly impact, don't you think, Coach? Well, he sh- he better be. Yeah. <laughs> he better be. He's a JC kid coming in that didn't qualify in the fall or in the spring like he was supposed to, okay? And uh, I'll tell you, the two kids that, that performed in the spring, those two, two kids didn't do bad. I want you to know. So it's not like he's he's got an automatic position. I mean, he's got to come in and beat out these kids. I, tell you, I thought they both punted well in the spring game and they kicked their field goals well. And, and this kid's got to catch up now, so... I obviously think he has a strong leg and all sure. this and that. I'm not saying he doesn't have the ability. But, uh, you know, if you're bringing in a J.C. punter and a J.C. kickoff guy and whatever, then he certainly be the, better be the type to come in and and uh, dominate. All right. Um, couple. There's a bunch of DBs. I'll list them all at once. Torrin Harris, T.J. McDonald, Byron Moore, uh, Star, you know, uh, Starling might play linebacker, but they're – I mean, all those guys, like you said, the best secondary in the country. I think it's going to be hard for any of those to make an impact. But, you know, a guy like Jarvis Jones comes in, linebacker. What do you think about him? I mean, they're not really 
They're kind of thin at linebacker. And, you know, someone like him come in and make an impact? Yeah, I don't know if you'll ever have a camera fast enough to follow him. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Have you ever seen any highlights on him running around the field? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. You can't follow him. He is really a football player. He'll make an impact, and he may get some turns this year because he is a dominant type of football player with speed, not a great big kid, but comes with great credentials. He really does. So I'm not saying redshirt on him. No, and, and guys like Telford and uh, and Marcus Simmons and stuff, I mean, I think they have a shot just because it's, you know, they're thin at linebacker and stuff. But one of the interesting guys, Devon Kennard, I mean, five-star super mm-hmm. stud. You think he can come in and get in the mix? Well, he could come in and get in the mix, but he's going to find out it's different playing on Friday and different playing on Saturday. You know what I mean? Sure. And you're really going to see. But you've got some kids that have been there that have redshirted this, not redshirted, that have played this past year and had to wait their turn. And uh, I think uh, Emerson Griffin is going to be uh, turned on. I think, uh, you know, uh, all those other ends, you got Horton and Malik Jackson and Perry and, uh, can't think of all their names right now. Tell you, that's quite a that's quite a list. And and Kennard's a great player, but you know it's different when you're having a high school tackle block you, or when you're having a college tackle block you. So it's going to be a lot different. Uh, redshirt, uh, maybe, but I'd say no. All right. I think he'll. I think he'll. They'll have to give him rotations in game time. And then uh, last couple guys, John Martinez, the offensive line. I know you usually like red shirt. red shirt offensive lineman. And then at linebacker, Simeone Vahakite. Uh I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it looks like to me, DJ um, Shoemates stepped up. He's about 230 pounds now. He looks really strong. I think you know Adam Goodman's a really good blocker. You got you know Stanley Vili, who's a stud. It, red shirt. Yeah, I'd say red shirt's probably the way to go with him as well. Yeah, I so. would because. Um... It, they don't use, utilize the fullback that much, you know, and they have two or three that can play. So why waste a year on him? Makes Let him sense. grow up, learn the position. It'd be good for him educationally too. All right. Well, Justin, thanks for that question. Hopefully, we, you know, we tried to go through every guy. We couldn't. We didn't have a ton of time to talk about all of them, but we'll we can do that even more. If there's more specific guys you want to talk about, we can always do that. But coach, thanks for uh, joining us while you're out in Catalina enjoying the Rays and. Uh, We'll appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again next week. You got it, buddy. And uh, for all our people out there that have been sending in questions, I really enjoy answering them. And uh, remember, it's only our opinion. You can agree or disagree, and uh, we hope to uh, have you with us uh, all through the summer months and during football season. Yeah, thanks again, Coach, and thanks to everyone out there with your questions. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. If you have any more, we'll try to answer them. And we'll be back after the short break talking USC recruiting. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have a very exciting segment planned for you right now. We're going to do our recruiting roundtable with some of the 
foremost experts on USC recruiting out there. We got Gerard Martinez, USCfootball.com recruiting analyst. What's up, Gerard? Pretty good. What's going on with you, man? Not much, not much. I'm excited for the segment. We got some uh, good stuff going on from the camps. Uh, we also have Zach Lajado. He's a frequent USCfootball.com contributor. Thanks for joining us, Zach. I'm happy to be here. And uh, twice in a row, Brian Bonifee, we have you on again. You know, it was just so good last week. We had to have you on back again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, no problem. All right, cool. So, what we got going on? The USC Skills Camp and Lineman Camps were over the weekend. Uh, this is kind of a prelude to the the big USC Rising Stars Camp that are coming up next week. And there's ten guys that uh, that you know, our crew was out there with. They were all at the camp. I was unfortunately at uh, in Las Vegas doing some research, so I wasn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> so I wasn't at the camp, but our our panel of experts, all of them were, and we got ten guys. They're interesting on the list. I think we're going to start off probably with you, Zach. Um, looks like he was one of the best guys in the group there. Randall Telfor, the tight end. He's a USC commit. You want to start talking about him and what he did during the camp? Yeah, I think he, uh, I think he made the coaching staff really happy because when they have guys that go to these camps that are committed, um, you know, oftentimes they, they don't look the best out of all the guys that are there. But Randall Telfer on Saturday was, was definitely the standout you know, offensive skill player there. You know, there were guys that looked good, but he looked the most polished and the most ready to play and contribute. So I think they were pretty happy with that. You know, specifically what he did that uh, that was, you know, remarkable. You know, he was getting great separation off the line against the linebackers. I mean, nobody could hang with him. He's just way too quick. You know, he had great hands. I don't really remember him dropping one ball. Um, you know, has the right attitude. There's uh, there's just a lot to like about Randall Telfer. You know, I think that, you know, he's already pretty highly rated with four stars. You know, I think he's the number four rated tight end in the country. I, uh, I think they were very happy to have his commitment after this weekend. Cool, Zach. Thanks for that. And uh, Gerard, there was a quarterback out there that's not committed, but you thought that uh, did pretty well on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. It's a guy that we've seen at a lot of camps uh, throughout the whole summer and spring, and it's uh, Anthony Brown, 5'10", 180-pound quarterback, plays running back also, but this was the first camp we saw him play cornerback exclusively and it was definitely a top camp for him. He was a little banged up, came in, didn't really think about running the 40s, wasn't really going to you know, test uh, that day, but decided to do it anyways, had a pretty good day. But I think that his ability to come in and focus just on one position really helped him. He was one of the few guys that in drills was great looking, fast, quick, aggressive, and then brought it over to one-on-ones and seven-on-seven and was just as successful. So I think, you know, there are a lot of guys who come in, I mean, they may look good in drills, but then they kind of start to, you know, they, they fade away a little bit during one-on-ones. They either don't get a lot of reps, they start going to the back of the line, you don't see them enough consistently. Anthony Brown was one of those guys that got a lot of reps. By the end of the day, they stopped throwing at him, and this is a kid, you know, he's starting to get a little more offers. I think one of the most intriguing things that I heard about him after Saturday was uh, Vincent Sanders, who is one of the top players there, also playing both ways. His coach, coach down there, Nuxby County in Mississippi, they came all the way out here. They were talking about Anthony Brown. They were saying, you know, all those SEC schools that have offered Vincent Sanders, schools like Tennessee, uh, schools like Mississippi, schools like Alabama, his coach was saying, man, when we get back to Mississippi, I'm going to tell all these coaches about this kid, Anthony Brown. He's aggressive, he's fast, and he plays with a lot of drive and a lot of heart. And that's something that, you know, that's, that's pretty big when you have a head coach coming from SEC County with all those, S- with all those you know, those, uh, those, those great athletes that you hear about in the Southeast. 
he's coming out here and checking out kids, and he sees a guy that's you know only a three-star and doesn't have a ton of offers. He doesn't have any really big Pac-10 school offers at this point. He sees him and decides, you know what, I'm going to give some coaches some calls down there in the SEC and let them know about this kid. That says a lot. So uh, Anthony Brown was definitely one of those guys who stood out once again for us. All right, so uh, you mentioned Vincent Sanders, which is interesting. We're going to get back to him in a little bit. I really like this kid's story. Uh, but, Zach, I want to flip, throw it over for you a little bit. There was an athlete out there, Devon Blackman, and I think you were checking him out a little bit. Can you share a little bit what you saw out there? Yeah, there was a lot of excitement around um, Blackman just because, you know, he plays he plays quarterback as in he's the signal caller for, for Summit and or for Summit High School. And people hadn't really seen him, you know, at, at defensive back or, or at wide receiver. And so, you know, he played wide out in the morning and he played uh, defensive back in the afternoon. And, you know, he, he really looked very good. He's one of the kind of those fast risers in the class of 2011. So, you know, there's still a ton of time for, for the kid. And, you know, he still doesn't have any scholarship offers, but it seems like he's on the brink of getting one. And, you know, at, th- at this point, he was, he was still playing cornerback uh, when he was out there. But consensus seems to be that he will play safety at the next level. You know, physically, um, you know, physically, you know, he still has a little ways to go. He's still a little slight, but I mean, you can make some comparisons between him and, and maybe a Brandon Carswell, just because they both play quarterback, but, but at the next level, they won't be playing quarterback. Um, if we needed to make that comparison uh, for somebody on the USC team right now, um, he's just an exciting young kid, and you know he's that part of that class of 2011, which is shaping up to be one of the most talented, you know, classes for skill position guys in a while. All right, and uh, so we mentioned Vincent Sanders in the last um, the last little piece there we had, and we put up a video on uscfootball.com about him today. Uh, Emily and Michelle put up a little kind of feature package on him. Really interesting story. His first flight uh, ever in his life. He came out, and he's never been to Los Angeles before, obviously. So it comes out all the way from Mississippi. You know, has a really nice time at the camp. Maybe you can share some of his uh, story, Gerard. Yeah, he was uh, a little bit of culture shock. Uh, Macon County, Georgia, certainly uh, not uh, a big city by any stretch of the imagination. So coming out to Los Angeles for his first time, getting on the plane for the first time, it was a little bit of a shell shock situation. But he came out and was definitely one of those guys that stood out very early. I mean, had a 37-inch vertical. That was the top vertical in the camp. And uh, ran okay, you know, with his 40. It was a 4.7 flat 40, which wasn't bad because it's on that turf. And uh, it was on electronic time. So he tested well. And then he came out and uh, played uh, a little bit defensive back to start. And we, we talked about him early on being the receiver. And he's a rivals 250 guy, four-star prospect. And that's what a lot of people look at him as as a receiver. But he started out playing safety. And is actually probably more successful in terms of the results uh, of, of his play during the camp Saturday. That was really where he played the best. And he's very raw. I mean, you can see him in cone drills. You can see his footwork. That, a lot of that stuff needs very tightened up. And he's one of those guys who may be opposed to Anthony Brown, who is really solid in both facets of the camp. Um, you know, Sanders really kind of stood out a little more when he got into the 7-on-7 seven seven drills and you got to see him kind of run around a little bit. And you got to see his ball skills. He's really got some good ball skills. Now, when he flipped over in the afternoon, a little quiet, wasn't you know, quite as pronounced. And I think a lot of that, again, has to do with how raw he is. Uh, when you watch a receiver and you watch a guy in a camp situation like this, you're looking at you know, how crisp his routes are. And you, know, you can be a real athletic guy, but if you don't run good routes, you're not going to get great separation. And he had some trouble, didn't you know, get on the same page with the quarterback sometime. Um, but like I said, you know, his ball skills are great. 
heavyweight. Great leaping ability, obviously. He's a long strider. You know, those guys that you got to look at, and, you know, USC's trying to figure out the situation with receivers and, you know, where they want to go. And, you know, cornerback is a position that they've got loaded. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think Anthony Brown maybe didn't get a scholarship right away because he had a great camp. But, you know, they kind of have to look at that position and see, you know, how many guys that they can take and how many guys they have already on the board. Uh, so, you know, you go start to look at free safety. I think that's where he might possibly get a look at for a scholarship offer. Uh, but, you know, it's a great story. The first kid that, you know, we ever – thought would come out or ever has maybe come out from Mississippi of all places and uh and camp at USC so it was kind of uh it was a big surprise you know nobody really knew who he was at first until we started uh kind of checking it out and, and got a name from him and it was like wow Vincent Sanders came all the way here from Mississippi that's a that's a that's a stunner uh, so it was kind of cool it was cool to see him out here and he he had a good time and you know afterwards we talked to him a little bit about the recruiting process and you know definitely from rural country and I think that uh, Alabama and Ole Miss those are going to be tough schools to beat for him even if USC offers uh, but you know he's got family out here and he did like his time out here and he really likes USC as a program because of the winning tradition the prestige and so you know there'll be a factor if USC decides to be a factor. It's funny you look on him in the rivals database and it's all you know it's all the SEC schools you would have any indication that USC could be involved in that so it was a, it was a pretty big surprise so I, I advise people to go to uscfootball.com and check out the uh, video interview with him we talked to his coach a little bit and stuff so they've got some a lot of good information out on that. And then, Gerard, maybe you can uh, follow up. There's a couple uh, good linebacker prospects out of Locke High School. Yeah, they came down and really kind of unknowns uh, in terms of getting a lot of information on these guys, watching them on tape. Uh, Locke's kind of a, a hard school to get a lot of information out of. So we were really intrigued. I mean, those are kind of some of the guys that we really wanted to see. Trevion Harris. Uh, probably about 6'2". I mean, he looks like he's over 220 pounds right now. He's real thick, really compact build. And then he had his teammate, Killian Cooper, who's about 6'3", 210, maybe 215, slender build, uh, kind of the opposite, uh, really, of Harris in terms of, you know, how he looks. And he's more of the outside linebacker where Harris looks like he's starting to grow into more of a Mike. Um, Harris is quick, but Harris has actually got some experience playing a little bit of safety for Locke. And I think that one problem with him is, you know, going against a guy like Randall Telfer, which we saw in drills, they just had a hard time getting a hold of a guy like that. And he was really the only big-time Division One tight end they had out there, receiver guy that would, you know, they would be going against and testing themselves. And they really had no answer for him. Um, and then the other, some other matchups they had some problems with. It's just, the, you know, being raw, you can see that coverage-wise, uh, neither Killian or Trevion really had a lot of uh, experience doing that. And, they, you know, foot-wise, they kind of tripped themselves up. Uh, if Harris didn't get you at the line of scrimmage, it was pretty much over. Some guys would get deep on him. Um, so, you know, a, a little disappointing, but they are good athletes. They've got some offers, kind of guys at USC's probably going to just keep an eye on throughout the rest of the year. Uh, but, you know, we, we kind of hope to see a little more of them in terms of production. Um, but uh, they're definitely kind of projects at this point. All right. Um, well, let's, uh, we talked to all the skill guys. Let's talk a little bit of linemen. Uh, Zach, I think this is an Irish name. I don't know. Giovanni Diapolo. I'm just kidding. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, sounds very Italian. But what, can you talk about him? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about him. He's, uh, he's arguably the, the biggest name at the, the second day, the, the lineman camp. He's, was he's that the, was from, that the uh, longest name or just the, the biggest name you mean? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think both? that seven letters qualifies as the longest name. Okay. But um, considering we have Alex Crossweight out there and, uh, and guys like that, but uh, he's certainly the biggest name out there. Um, 
He's from St. Bonaventure. He's like 6'3", 6'4". He's only 260 pounds right now, and that's kind of a problem with the USC coaching staff. Um, when I say problem, I mean it's like the only thing that's probably keeping him from a scholarship offer. Uh, rumors were after the camp that Coach Carlisle was called into Pat Rule's office to talk about what he could do with DePaulo. And, you know, they say extra 20, 25 pounds, he'd be a pretty dominating center. You know, technique-wise, he's good, but very, very raw at center. And that would cause a little bit of a, a quote-unquote, disappointment for him during the camp in the, uh, in the one-on-one drills with every single person at the camp surrounding, surrounding him. Carroll said, this is the one that counts. And it was tied 2-2 two to two offense and defense. And DePaulo got beat by a guy that Brian will talk about in a second, and he was pretty upset about that. But the coaching staff afterwards told him not to worry about it, not to fret. You know, he's you know he's still young and new at the position. They still really like him. So he's one of those guys that, you know, depending on how the rest of the recruiting process goes, um, he could very well get an offer, and he would certainly come in as a uh, as a center. He loves everything about USC. Said so it would change the game if he got an offer. So I take that for what it's worth. But um, he's got to keep an eye on certainly. Man, that's a lot of pressure being put on by Pete Carroll. And I was talking, you know, his first name, Zach. Giovanni's a pretty long first name. I don't know. I mean, oh. <laughs> Alex, it's, it's longer my than name. Alex. No, no, that's cool. You got it. You got. Uh, but Brian, we're not forgetting about you, sir. Uh, and, and and Zach had a nice little transition over to you. That guy that uh, Giovanni had trouble with, Antoine Woods, a defensive lineman. Maybe you can talk about him a little bit. Yeah, Antoine Woods was the guy, really the guy on the defensive side of the camp. I mean, senior defensive lineman. Uh, there, there really wasn't anyone that SC was really looking at hard, but Woods was a junior, a 2011 guy, and he was actually the most impressive guy there. I looked okay going through drills, but really shined in the one-on-ones. Um, as Zach mentioned, he kind of gave DePaulo just a swim move right off the snap on the first rep and beat him. I uh, really got DePaulo upset, but it was really impressive. Uh, got good, good explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, um, understands leverage, really kind of a nose guard at this point. Um, whether or not he's an early offer guy for the next class really depends on how big he gets. Um, we saw him last year against Sarah, and he really hasn't grown very much. He's still about six foot and a half, uh, 280 pounds. Um, if he grows at all over the next year, I think he's uh, one of those guys who's going to get a scholarship offer down the road. But it's, it's a strong class um, next year for defensive tackles. We mentioned that a little bit before. Uh, unusually strong because California doesn't really produce many nationally ranked defensive tackles. So he's, he's definitely someone to watch for the future, but um, short, the, really the short term focus of the, of the whole lineman camp was, and we mentioned this last week, but it was offensive linemen. Uh, it's the position that the coaches were really focusing at um, on Sunday, really the position they need bodies at. And, uh, and Zach talked about DePaulo, but there were a few guys, a couple guys who they're also looking at pretty closely. The guy that DePaulo was competing at was set at center uh, is a kid named Jay Barlow from Helix. Um, it's about 6'2", 265, won the MVP of the Palo Alto Nike camp a few weeks back. And he's he's another good athlete like DePaulo, very smooth through drills, uh, good knee bend. Really what I like most about him is he plays with a wide base. So um, he's got a good wingspan, uh, really just a really good athlete, um, very consistent, seemed very comfortable as an interior guy at that center spot. The problem is, like DePaulo, just not a big guy. Actually, he's a few inches shorter than DePaulo um, at about 6'2", so whether they um, really reminds me of the type of guy who normally signs with like an Oregon State in the late in the process and then ends up being an all kind of an all conference guy, but he's someone to watch at that center spot with DiPaolo. And then 
the, the last guy is Alex Crossway, um, who's actually ranked in the Rivals 250 as an offensive tackle, but he's definitely a guard in college, definitely an interior guy. Really just kind of a bulldog-type offensive lineman, really a mauler on tape. Um, and, you know, those aren't really the, the style of players that really do well at these camps, but he was actually pretty surprising in the one-on-ones. Uh, the national guys were raving about him in the one-on-ones. Looked better in pass pro than we had seen him in previous camps, really because he's really a high-intensity guy, and I think SC's camps really fit his personality because he's just 100% all the time high-intensity guy, really responded well to that environment. So he's another interior guy they're going to look at. And like I said before, they need, they need to get in-state offers out there for this class, um, three, four guys. So those three guys are really the ones you want to look for in terms of what interior alignment uh, SC may offer. All right. Wow. We went through all 10 of those dudes. Nice uh, information, everyone. Brian, Zach, and Gerard. Maybe we can, uh, I'll go one by one through you guys. Maybe get some final thoughts on what you thought, you know, what, what took place over the weekend. I know we did some previews and stuff before, but maybe just overall thoughts on how everything went at both camps or someone maybe that, you know, we didn't mention or what you thought was uh, important out there. Maybe start with you, Gerard. Well, the surprise of the camp, I mean, there was a few surprises, actually. I think that, you know, Saunders showing up was a surprise just in terms of a kid coming out from uh, SEC country. Uh, I think, you know, Alex Crossway, that's an interesting story because it's a guy, as Brian said, we watched at UCLA and kind of took a step back on him a little bit. We liked him early. And then watch him at UCLA, pass pro, didn't like him as much. But then he comes back to USC and kind of redeemed himself. I mean, one thing that Brian didn't, didn't talk about was that uh, Crossweed actually showed up to the USC camp and didn't have cleats on. And he was in pass pro one-on-one. And, I mean, goodness, that's probably the most difficult uh, drill that you can do without cleats on because you can end up back on your heels as a lineman and you're going against these big 300-pound defensive t- uh, tackles and defensive ends. And uh, he was able to do pretty well, so he kind of redeemed himself a little bit. So it was a little bit uh, a camp of some surprises. I think Blackman uh, coming in and playing both ways and being successful both ways was also a nice surprise. So that was kind of the, the, the camp and, and the weekend in general, you know, kind of looking for those under-the-radar guys. And as we talked about, you know, previewing the camp, it wasn't going to be a big-time, big-name camp uh, like the Rising Stars. Rising Stars kind of sucked that talent away in the last couple years and has become bigger and bigger. Uh, this is kind of the little brother but it was still a good weekend and it was definitely a, a great evaluation opportunity for usc coaching staff zach how about you any thoughts from the weekend yeah i just uh i i gotta say i'm just continuing to be impressed with uh anthony brown i think he's got i think gerard and i when when just talking you know back and forth with one another we're always kind of like shocked at the difference between the attitude of west coast defensive backs versus east coast defensive backs. excuse me i'm sorry about that just lost my connection for a second. No um, West Coast defensive backs versus East Coast defensive backs. I think Anthony Brown really has that swagger that, that you look for in one of those guys, and it's something that, that in my opinion, the SEC coaching staff should jump on pretty quickly. Um, I guess that's really what I took away from it. I also like seeing all the 2011 guys and seeing how they develop and what they work on for the next year. Cool. All right. And then uh, last thought from you, Brian. Um, surprised. Actually, I was surprised Randall Telfer showed up um, because he was he was really impressive. And he, when Mike Gerard had mentioned previously, the Rising Stars camp has kind of evolved into this super camp where all the kids want to go, and it really devalues what the skills camp and the lineman camp are really about. Um, you, years past, there used to be a few guys who had scholarship offers show up. Now it's like if 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 you can't go to both camps, you don't go to the skills camp or the lineman camp, and really. The talent wasn't really any better than it is at some of the other camps, but Rising Stars is going to be great. But I was honestly surprised Telfer showed up. He showed really well. I think he really improved his stock. 
think he's maybe one of the best players um, that SC is going to sign this year. All right. Well, thank you, guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely – we're going to preview the uh, USC Rising Stars camp next week. We'll probably do it again on Tuesday because uh, the camp is actually on Wednesday and Thursday, and we'll be down there covering it. So we'll probably do another podcast on Tuesday just so we can cover the camps all that more for you. We'll be able to preview it. And then the following week, we'll give you a review like we did this week. Um, but, yeah, thank you to all of our guests, GM, Zach, Brian. We had Harvey Hyde in the first segment. Thanks for all your questions out there, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.